Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit WGNRadio.com slash Behind the Badge. 720 WGN. One of the stars of News Nation is this guy, Brian Enton, who's always on location. I don't... Do you even have a place to live? Because it seems like you must spend most of your time living out of a hotel. Yeah, it feels like that lately, Lisa, for sure. I've been uh, I've been in a lot of Fairfield inns and small towns lately. I bet. Brian Enton is with News Nation, and he has been in Idaho every day since this horrific crime took place. And, of course, today we found out some of the details that have been kept quiet I mean, very quiet. They haven't released anything until today. And it sends chills up and down my spine, Brian. Yeah, I mean, we've all been waiting for this probable cause affidavit to be released. And this morning, right around the time of the court hearing here in Idaho, uh, it came out 19 pages long, extremely detailed, almost nothing redacted. It goes from the beginning to the end of how they connected the Idaho murders to Brian Koberger, everything from DNA. They've been tracing his cell phone around the house. Uh, Other details like the fact we didn't know this. One of the surviving roommates actually woke up while Brian Koberger was in the house, uh, according to police, saw him in the hallway, saw him with a mask on, Um, just all sorts of new information coming out today, Lisa. Absolutely. We're talking about the murder of four University of Idaho students, and we were all waiting. Like, they've got to find this person. This is so terrifying. Let's start with that. One of the roommates who survived saw him with a mask on, but didn't call 911 for, what, six hours? Yeah, that's one of the big sort of confusing things that, you know, so we've got the, the 19 pages that pieces it together, but there's still some big pieces missing, and that's one of them. Basically, one of the surviving roommates told police that um, she woke up around 4 a.m., first thought she heard Kaylee, one of the victim's dogs, playing. Then she heard Kaylee say something like, there is someone here. Then she thought she heard crying coming from a different room and heard a male voice say, it's okay, I'm going to help you. Um, and then later opened her door, heard crying again, and saw a figure in black clothing and a mask covering their mouth and nose. Um, and she says that she was frozen and, and shocked when he walked right past her um, and went what, out the back door. And she says that she locked herself in her room. So this was all around four in the morning. Police didn't get called until later in the morning, like around 10 or so. Okay, we all are stunned by that. If I saw a man in a mask, all dressed in black, in my house, the first thing I would do would be call 911. So I think that is something that everybody will be anticipating more information about. The other thing I found intriguing is that he, his cell phone shows that he had been around that house 12 times and even came back after the murders. Is that true? Yeah, so this is really chilling. 12 times in the weeks and months before the murders, right around the house. Um, And then they believe he turned off his cell phone when he was actually committing the murders because the cell phone was not pinging near the house then, but they picked up cell phone data 
near his house about 10 miles away when they believed he was leaving and when he was returning. So perhaps put his phone on airplane mode or turned it off, they believe, during the actual times of the murders. So that was um, early in the morning around 4 a.m. Then his phone pings again near the house uh, around 9.15 a.m. So they believe after doing it, he came back. We don't know if he did a drive-by or what he was doing, but he was back over near the house again, according to police. And that that seems that seems weird. But this has happened in the past where someone commits a crime, especially someone who is attempting to get a doctorate in criminology to see how it's all playing out. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and that's what they actually laid that out in uh, in the probable cause. And it's really interesting. So b- before they even get into the cell phone, th- this all gets pieced together initially because of the car, that white Hyundai Elantra that we've talked about so much, Lisa. They have surveillance video of that car all around the house during the time of the murders. Um, They track that car back to Pullman, Washington, which is the town about 10 miles from here. Um, It was an officer who spotted the car, and that's sort of what got the ball rolling and had them zeroing in on Brian uh, Koberger. And it's from there that they get the cell phone data, and then at the end they get the DNA where they say uh, it was pretty much a match. Brian Enton is who you're listening to. He is a correspondent on News Nation. You've probably seen him on there quite a bit talking about these four murders that took place in Idaho of Idaho, University of Idaho students. So it looks like there is some proof because he left the sheath to his knife or machete on the bed. That matches his DNA. I had read that they went through his father's trash and actually obtained DNA, and that's how they made the match. Is there any truth to that? Yes, that is true. And again, this is a guy who got a master's in criminal justice and was getting his Ph.D. in criminology. But, you know, he made some big mistakes if he's trying to get away. He left, you mentioned it, the sheath of his knife, according to police, on the bed right next to one of the victims. Um, And on the button of the sheath to the knife, on the little button that snaps, that's where the uh, technicians located some DNA. So they found that on the sheath of the knife. Then once they piece all this together, like we've been talking about with the car and the cell phone records, they trace Cronodal back to Pennsylvania, where he has gone back home to his parents' house. They send FBI agents in Pennsylvania to go to his parents' house and to go through the trash. And then they link the DNA from the trash to the knife sheath, uh, and that was sort of the nail in the coffin at the end, and that's when the arrest was made. And we all want to know what's the motive, and that's something we may never find out. Yeah, we may never. I mean, you know, the fact, you know, innocent until proven guilty, of course I want to say that, because we've got all this information. He hasn't had a chance yet to respond. I mean, at the hearing today, Um, They really just go over the facts. He doesn't have a chance to speak. His lawyer doesn't really present a case or anything like that. But, um, yeah, motive. Uh, Was there some stalking involved? The fact that you brought it up, the fact that he was over near that house 12 times before the murders, was he watching the the college students? Uh, None of that has has come out at this point. And motive is not addressed at all in this 19-page probable cause affidavit. Thank you so much for joining us on the Lisa Dent Show. I applaud your work, Brian. Yeah, thanks. Check it out. We're doing a um, an hour-long special Sunday night. We're going to go through the whole case from beginning to end. We've, you know, we've been here for more than a month. Um, Sunday night on News Nation. It's 8 Central, uh, 9 Eastern.
Okay, if you're in Chicago, 8 o'clock Sunday night on News Nation, Brian Enton on the Lisa Dent Show, great reporter, has covered this from moment one, and you'll hear more from him because I'm sure he'll be back on the show. Hey, Dr. Jeffrey Copen is going to join us next. It's trending on Twitter, new COVID. That's what people are calling it. We'll find out more about it next, but first to check on weather and traffic with Mary.